All right, welcome to another episode of the Speed Change Repeat podcast today with Paolo Pirjanian. Hi, Paolo, how are you doing? Hi, Jonathan, thank you. I'm good. <laughs> yes, um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation today because it uh, took a little bit of a while to, to, to get together. Uh, but still, I mean, now we're finally doing it. And uh, thanks to technology, we can do this, even though being on, you know, on the other side of the planet, each of us, you know, you being in, in, in the Bay Area, San Francisco, and, and me, California, and me being uh, over here in, uh, in uh, Europe. So um, I'm, you know, really looking forward to this conversation. But, you know, Obviously, kind of first things first, we always start the same way, you know, um, obviously for, for our uh, listeners, for our audience to kind of, you know, know who are we talking to today, who's kind of the person behind it. And um, so obviously, I want to give you the stage and uh, would be great if you could kind of, you know, in a storytelling way a little bit, go through the different stages of your professional life, you know, um, and, and, and tell us, you know, where are you coming from and how are you, how did you end up where you are today and what is it that you're doing today? Yeah, well, thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, so I actually graduated from, uh, Alborg university. Not, that's not too far away from where you are. So in Denmark, got my PhD in robotics. And then uh, right after that, I actually moved to the U.S. to move to California to work on my childhood dream job, which was to work for NASA um, at JPL here in Pasadena, um, which was a great, uh, great opportunity to work on robots for space exploration, for Mars exploration and so on. And then while I was there, like second year of my uh, employment there, I got approached by a gentleman called Bill Gross who started one of the very early incubator concepts called Idealab. And Idealab's headquarters was also in Pasadena and Bill contacted me and he wanted to start a robotics company. This is 2001, so 20 years ago. He wanted to start a robotics company and they were looking for a chief technology officer. So after we talked a little bit, um, I was always curious about entrepreneurship. So I decided I'm gonna leave my childhood dream job at JPL and join him to help start this company called Evolution Robotics, um, who had the mission to become the Microsoft of robotics, which was a very bold mission and also probably way too early to think that way. But nonetheless, uh, it was an exciting opportunity. So I joined him, helped him uh, build a bunch of very advanced technologies and computer vision and navigation and so on. And unfortunately, the business didn't work out. So the company Idealab decided to shut down uh, Evolution Robotics. And then I took the core technologies that we had developed, me and myself and my team had developed uh, and spun it out into a new company in 2008 that developed one of the very first uh, SLAM technologies. SLAM stands for Simultaneous Localization and Mapping, which is now used a lot in self-driving cars. We had developed one of the first and most advanced uh, solutions that used a single camera and ran on a $5 processor, which at the time was a breakthrough. And then we went and built products around it. And the first product we launched was a, a robot for cleaning the floors, hardwood floors, hard floors, complementary to Roomba. And uh, then in 2012, iRobot uh, decided to acquire us and we were interested in that partnership because it gave us a platform to expand our technology into the entire 
portfolio of iRobot products. So all Roombas now are powered by this technology that we had invented. And after staying at iRobot for a few years as a CTO, I decided that it's time to move on and do something bolder than that, which is to create lifelike, believable characters that can interact with you the way we interact with each other, which is my current company called Embodied. Yeah, and we're going to dive uh, deeper into that uh, in a short. But you know what? I want to dive into that first, um, you know, that first point that you that you mentioned, you know, and that's because I find it very, very much inspiring, you know, uh, because obviously this is some time ago and you said like, you know, childhood dream. And uh, I mean, we mentioned it a little, uh, a little bit. I was already surprised the first time you told me about this when, when our pre uh, in our pre-call before we had this podcast already a while back. Um, but it's 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 very impressive um, because because of the circumstance, right? It's the first step for you, kind of like career-wise after I mean education or let's say PhD. You know, one can see PhD also kind of as part of already experience. But I mean, um, you know, because it's a, such a big step in the sense of that it determines all the other things that are coming in your life, right? So. Uh, and also it's why i think it's very impressing and 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 and, and why i I'm, I'm doing such a big deal about this is you know the circumstance about it right first of all i mean back in the days you know we didn't have that much transparency you know in our world you know so it wasn't easy that easy to connect from from one place to the other right it wasn't that easy to connect to people it wasn't that easy to connect to organizations etc and um you told me yourself, you, you, you know, you, you were not native in Copenhagen where you did your PhD. So you were coming from a different place, right? So, and, and my question is like, how was that journey in regards to, you said like childhood dreams, but how difficult was it actually for you to get in there, you know? And, and like that entire process, because it seems so unbelievable knowing all these, you know, different factors to it. Yeah, I mean, you're opening up another Pandora box here by this question. <laughs> so uh, I ended up in Denmark uh, by chance, and I, I ended up in Denmark as a refugee. Mm-hmm. I was born as an Armenian, born in Iran. And, and uh, if you know the history from that far back, um, the country, there was a revolution in the country where the clerics took over the government and all these things. And it was difficult for minorities uh, in that time. So we left uh, Iran and uh, the first goal was just leave Iran (laughs) without a clear goal of where we wanted to go because we didn't have a choice. I mean, at the time, just it's hard for most people to relate to, but it's not like you can just say, I'm gonna get a visa and go to the US or go to wherever your destination is. Most of these countries will not give you the um, visa, uh, but also at the time, Iran was not allowing people to leave the country. So you couldn't even get a passport to leave the country uh, under certain circumstances. So we left Iran and uh, ended up in Denmark by chance as a refugee. Um, again, uh, we when we got out of Iran, we didn't know where we were going to end up, but we ended up in Denmark, which is a blessing. The Danish people are amazing people and it allowed me an opportunity to uh, get an amazing education at Aalborg University. Um, Although, unfortunately, this is not isolated to Denmark. If anything, it's probably not as prevalent in Denmark as it is in other countries. Racism is something that exists everywhere in the world, right? 
yeah. even in Iran or in Armenia, I would say, right? So, but uh, it exists also in Denmark and someone that has black hair like me, and uh, maybe in the beginning didn't speak Danish fluently and had an accent and so on, you always get a single doubt, you're uh, treated differently. And uh, that had a huge impression on my childhood. Mm -hmm. uh, where you feel like you got to try really hard to fit in and you can never fit in because you are different. And instead of learning how to embrace your difference, the society is trying to have you conform to their norms, mm -hmm. uh, which push, pushes you at, at, I was 16 when I, when I arrived in Denmark, it pushes you in very uh, sort of deep emotional, mental levels to think about what it means to be a human, why people are different, why they be, are treated differently and so on. And at that time, I remember when I was sort of like struggling a little bit, um, I was also trying to figure out what I want to become when I grow up. Yeah. And I saw the first uh, animated short by Pixar and computers were pretty new at the time. And this was a completely computer generated short animation which was Loxo Jr., the two lamps, mama lamp and baby lamp running around and playing with a ball, which has become part of their logo of the company, Pixar. Uh, that made, left such a big impression on me first that to think how a computer could create such amazing animation. Secondly, that could evoke amazing emotion in me. Like where you feel something about these animated characters that are not even human, like they're, they're lamps. And that changed the course of my life to say, I want to become a computer scientist. I want to figure out how that works and then go from there. And in a sense, embody that embodied what we are doing. We are not just building a robot. We are de developing a lifelike character that can talk to you, that can smile at you, that can make eye contact with you, that can evoke emotions and elicit feelings that is otherwise hard to do with an object, right? And we want to use that for helping children that have difficulties in their upbringing for any reason that has caused them mental emotional distress whether it's because your child has been diagnosed with a developmental challenge like autism or other things or whether it's because you are a foreigner and are being rejected by your peers in school and don't have the opportunity to have friendship and you don't get an opportunity to have ability to develop these social skills that are super important for the rest of your life it's a friend, it's a companion, it's someone there to support you and teach you and coach you through life. That's, that, that's sort of the connecting of where it started and where we are today. Yeah, I, I, I can see that, I can see that. It's, um, it's, it's definitely very interesting. And um, so, I mean, uh, you know, I, 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 wanna, I wanna get into, uh, into your, you know, your, latest, your latest company and, and, and the, th the amazing things that you guys are doing with Embodied. And, uh, um, but be be before we jump into that, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's very interesting to uh, still you know, um, tackle a little bit that, that, that part in between, right? So you said you started a company or you were asked to, to join a company, you know, you said like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna leave, uh, I'm gonna leave my, my childhood dream job. I'm gonna leave NASA. I'm, I'm gonna jump into that, you know? And that, I mean, is already a, a big leap of faith, right? And, and it already says um, a lot about your char character and um, it's amazing. But then again, you say it didn't work out, right? And you started something new. So basically in, 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 in regards to that first chapter, that first entrepreneurship chapter, you know, to kind of 
delve a little bit deeper into that. What is something from like from all the amazing experiences, obviously, and all the different highlights that you have during that time frame, right? What is something, you know, what what are maybe like, you know, one, two things that you like, you know, if if you if you somebody like, for example, me asking you in this context of this podcast right now, right? Or if if you would like be talking to another random person, right? And that person would ask you from from that time frame, right? What are like one, two things that you took off from there? which you would, you know, which you would share, like, you know, this, this are kind of, you know, the one, two things that I would like to share about this, you know, and, you know, highlights or whatever that is. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question and very hard to answer, but let me reflect on the things that I feel are important. Number one, you mentioned that it's a big leap to go from maybe your current job where you're happy and doing what you love doing to joining a startup or starting a startup it's a big leap. It's scary. It's okay to be scared. But I would say number one thing is overcome your fear and fulfill your dream. Don't have any regrets. Don't look back and say, I wish 10 years ago I had started this company with this idea that I had. Um, Follow your curiosity and always learn. And especially learn from people that have been down the roads that you may not have been because that's the most efficient way of learning. Uh, I mean, people are smart. Uh, If you want to be an entrepreneur, you got to use a lot of different skills and usually you will learn those skills, but it's much faster to learn it through the experience of other people. So avoid uh, having to take two years to learn a lesson you could learn in one conversation potentially. Yeah. Uh, And then the third thing I would say that's super important is uh, a company uh, starts and ends with its team. So build an amazing team, nurture the team. The team is your baby. Uh, And with with the right team, there is no challenge too big to overcome. I mean, in my, in my experience, when a company succeeds or when a company fails, it's all about the team. It's not about whether the technology was too hard to do or not. Great teams will overcome any technical challenge, any business challenge. And uh, you could have a massive, large team, but if it's not the right team, not the right team culture, you will not be able to do any of that. Uh, And we have seen this. I mean, we have companies that have raised billions of dollars and have failed and you have companies that have raised only millions of dollars and have built amazing um, products and services. So I, I can't emphasize enough the team and the culture of the team, how the team interacts with each other, how do we have conversations with each other. For instance, as to, give, to be specific, uh, sometimes you want to put, put sort of lead on conversations because it's not going in the directions you want to go in. The management doesn't feel like, yeah, the team is challenging us. Let's, Let's just move on to another conversation. No, you want to encourage your team to speak up. Let everyone feel that they can express their opinions because they probably see things that you may not see from where you sit as a CEO of a company because they are dealing with day-to-day things that you are not dealing with. So having that perspective, having ability to not be afraid to speak up and speak your mind, even if you're saying something completely in disagreement with the CEO of the company. That's the CEO's job to feel the team comfortable that they're, not only should they feel it comfortable, but they should feel encouraged to speak up 
and that you will listen to their input. Not that necessarily you will come to the same conclusion as them. You will make a decision based on other factors as well, but that you will listen to them. I think having that creates a very empowered team that will, uh, that, that will climb mountains to, to do what the company needs to do. Yeah, that's a, that's a very big one. I mean, that is, uh, I've heard that also from other people. And I mean, that's also, you know, with, uh, if you look at the VC world, right? Like people, uh, VCs don't invest into technology, right? They often, like the first thing is the team behind it, right? And uh, so absolutely very beautifully uh, put, um, you know, but uh, I, I think, I think what's very interesting is first of all, also, I think another factor which you mentioned and, and uh, which you did not mention, but which you obviously would also mention is, 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 is timing, right? And uh, if you look at obviously the, the things that, or, um, that you have been involved in from a technological perspective, right? Um, it's also, you know, the first, the, first thing, uh, the first thing you did, the first company you did, you know, failed. But then again, the technology-wise, technology you know, everything evolved and you were right in it, you know, from the start on. So basically, like, if you look back, right, it's, 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 it's actually very amazing, right? So if you look back the past two decades, so let's say the beginning of the 2000s, right, somebody has been, like, in, in that area and then overcome that first bubble and kept in it, right? It's amazing. Like, you've, you've done the whole cycle and you, you experienced all the different techno technological movements and how it basically evolved. And, and, and that gives you also completely different understanding, you know, technologically-wise. And from a from a from a depth perspective, right? And 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 that also, and it's very interesting to to, to see that. And then obviously with with iRobot, right? Uh, the acquisition then, and then going into the into the the next the next company, which uh, you know you 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 beautifully described on the origin the the origin and the motivation from your side to it. Um, but uh, let's go deeper into embodied. You know that's that's what you do today, and. Um, uh, I, I can only encourage here for all the for all the uh, listeners here to definitely check out uh, your website and 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 watch the videos because they're absolutely amazing. Um, you know, and you you already answered that to me, so that a lot of people have come up to you and said that it doesn't look real. But uh, let's let's start with the beginning. You know, let's let's start with the beginning of embodied. Uh, you know, uh, maybe with the first thing here, elevator pitch. You know, like what is embodied about and then you know after that let's start at the beginning you know where it all started well i mean um i don't think it's too hard to imagine that in the foreseeable future there will be robots that will be talking to us and interacting with us in the same way we interact with each other i mean this has been something that for decades has been portrayed in hollywood movies um and then the question is, how do we want to use this technology? How do we want to use this lifelike, believable characters? And what we have decided as, as a company at Embody is that we want to work on improving the quality of life of people. The first product uh, we have launched is called Moxie. And uh, it's helping children with social emotional learning, whether it's a child that's been diagnosed with a neurodevelopmental or neurobehavioral challenge, which turns out to be in the US, one out of five child children in US is actually has a mental or developmental challenge that can benefit from Moxie. Uh, we wanna help those children. That's where we think we can have the most impact early on. Uh, 
So Moxie engages with your child, gets, uh, does fun, interesting activities and helps them, coaches them and helps them understand emotions, understand how to deal with a, a worry they may have in their life. If they have anxiety about something, maybe social anxiety, teaching them skills that allows them to be more successful in social interaction with other children um, and so on, right? So there's a long list of activities that it engages in. Um, but then there are other parts of our society that are vulnerable. Uh, COVID has uh, put the spotlight on loneliness uh, for especially the elderly population, right? Uh, a lot of the elderly were completely socially isolated because they were vulnerable because of their age and uh, immune systems. Everyone was cautious not to expose them to potentially get COVID. Uh, so they were completely locked off from the society. If they, didn't, if they are not married and their spouse is still alive, then they're so completely isolated. And that has led to massive challenges, mental challenges for the for that community. Um, so you can imagine future generations of Moxie could be a companion to elderly to keep them uh, company, to, to uh, provide them with social and emotional support, to help keep them motivated and active both physically, health-wise, mentally, as well as entertaining them, right? So that they, they feel connected and even encouraging them to connect with the society. Uh, so, so Moxie is really a new category of products. The same way we have seen with categories like smart speakers. Yeah. We have seen categories like VR. Moxie is the first version of that product category. And we will see many other versions of this product for different areas of help. We call care bots, robots that care, that provide care or care for people. And these care bots will be a massive category. There will be a Carebots for social emotional support. There will be carebots for uh, helping with social isolation and loneliness. There will be carebots that actually can provide physical support for elderly to live independent in their home. If they have a hard time getting out of bed, give them a lending hand, maybe support them while they're walking to the bathroom at night so they don't fall and break their hip, which leads to the yeah. hospitalization and so on. So there will be carebots in the foreseeable future. Um, in my generation, Definitely in my son's generation, there will be care bots everywhere. And that's where we see robotics really having a social impact. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, definitely, I mean, uh, definitely a big one. And when I checked out your company, I also, I thought about all these different uh, use cases, you know, that can be applied to that. And uh, I mean, you know, how, let, let, let's start at the beginning. How did you approach this, you know? um where where was the, where did the idea come out obviously i mean you've been in, in in the field in the robotics field for 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 a long time and um you know i guess that idea has been uh you know in your head probably for a long time in regards to really kind of you know with everyone that is probably involved in robotics to you know have that personal personal robot you know in 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 a, in a daily context in whatever context that may be you know and, and as a as a helper for example or whatever right but that is a specific context so what is you know what is kind of the background story here i mean the idea of this has been around for decades if not centuries mm -hmm. as i mentioned uh, hollywood has portrayed this idea many times over yeah and also 
in academia, if you look around, there's many universities that have been doing research in use of robots for such application, and they call them social robots. Yeah. Um, it's a category in academia. Um, and uh, a lot of academic research has been done in how can you use social robots to help children, to help the elderly and other parts of this society. Um, there's also been companies and still are companies out there that are using robots of this nature. Uh, one of the things when I was thinking about this is that a lot of these companies are out there building robots that are costing forty, fifty thousand dollars Mm -hmm. And the interfaces they have are similar to Alexa's interface, which means you say a command and the robot responds. It's command and response, very transactional. Whereas if you want to really have impact, you have to create a social interface, yeah. which includes having conversation using body language. Like you and I are on Zoom right now, but still you're nodding when I'm talking. That's an important signal you're sending me. You're yeah. telling me I'm paying attention to you still, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we make eye contact super important to see where the attention is and emotions expressed through the uh, eye contact and facial expressions. Exactly. Uh, if I say something sad uh, about my childhood, you're going to show a bit of an empathy, maybe leaning and yeah, 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 show yeah, empathy yeah. by facial expression. So body language, all of these signals are a big part of communication and interaction. Mm -hmm. um, and this is something that no company has yet taken on because they're very challenging problems. At Embodied, we said, you know what? We're gonna do this, this is a moonshot, mm -hmm. but we are gonna build a social interface where you can interact with Moxie using conversation and body language, emotions, both ways, right? Moxie can express emotions as well as understand emotions. When you smile at Moxie, Moxie will, reciprocate you and smile back at you. When you say something that's very sensitive, maybe the child says I was at school and someone was being really nasty at me, at me, Moxie understands what you are saying, understands the content of the language mm -hmm. and, and will express uh, empathy by body language and facial expressions. And even the tone of voice of Moxie will become more uh, soft and vulnerable. Yeah, these are the things that are going to make a much deeper connection, especially if you want to teach children about social emotional skills. The robot needs to understand these skills and express these skills. So these have been some of the key challenges uh, that we have been making inventions around and building a robot. Plus, we did not want to end up with a $50,000 robot because there are not obviously not many people that can afford that. So you will have close to zero impact in society. So we built a robot that sells for $1,000 and there's a subscription fee attached to it as well on a monthly basis ongoing, which is about $39, but it's orders of magnitude cheaper than any other robot in this field that doesn't even have the social interaction ability. So these were the challenges. So when we start, we start with some conviction about the fact that we got to make it social. We got to make it affordable enough again. I would rather it be $150, Obviously. not $1,000, but let's take it one step at a time. Exactly. The first uh, VR goggles, Oculus Rift that came out, they cost $1,000, and then you had to tether them to a $10,000 computer for it to render the images fast enough for you to get an immersive feel. Today, Oculus Quest 2, you can buy for $299, and it's completely wireless, not connected to anything, and the immersive experience is amazing. It took only for five years. And that's the trajectory we see for Moxie so that 
Moxie will become available for anyone at uh, any income level to be able to afford to buy it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, that, 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 that's very interesting. Uh, you know, I, I, let's, uh, in a second, let's dive a little bit more into the technology side of things. But, um, you know, how do you, how do you see um, beyond, let's say, you know, economics of scale? Um, how do you, what, what's the overall vision or the long-term vision for, for Embodied, right? I mean, you've, you've built Moxie, you know, is there going to be, you know, um, is, is Moxie going to represent, let's say that, you know, that category of, 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 of care bots, you know, let's say in that specific content, for example, for, for children, etc. right? I mean, there again, the, the, um, the different use cases or the different scenarios on how to help and interact with children are, are immense, right? Also from a health perspective. But like, what is, what is your long-term vision here? Yeah, I mean, there, I will explain there is unlimited number of opportunities, which obviously for a startup is a big challenge to decide what is the next one we go after, right? Yeah, and exactly. I'll give you a picture of that. But uh, right now, our focus is in making sure that the launch of Moxie and helping children is successful. Mm -hmm. So the analogy I'll draw is the following. A inflection point for Apple as a company was the iPod, mm -hmm. which was a MP3 player at the time when hundreds of companies were launching MP3 players. Exactly. But they built a platform that made their MP3 players much more useful and usable, user-friendly than everyone else, which has allowed them to win. Mm -hmm. Both in terms of the design, but also in terms of the ecosystem they created with the uh, iTunes and the interface, right? right? Uh, but iPod represented a lot more than just an MP3 player. They created a platform that has led them to create hundreds of billions of dollars in value because they've leveraged that platform into the iPhone, iPad, and you name it, right? And it keeps going from there. For the last 20 years, it's been just growing. Yeah. So Moxie is based on our technology platform called SocialX, which is all of the technology that allows you to have this interaction with Moxie and a content platform that allows you to focus on, for instance, for a child to uh, work on social emotional development, for an elderly to work on loneliness and so on. Mm -hmm. And you can see this underlying core technology platform can be spawned into many different application areas. Yeah. In terms of the application areas, right now the focus is in children. We are also creating deeper partnerships with hospitals and schools to develop clinical and mental health applications for Moxie for hospitals and schools. So University of Rochester Medical Center is our first partner in that area. The school district, I cannot yet publicly say, we have partnered with one of the largest school districts in the US to develop mental health applications. And there's many more things we wanted to do in that direction. Hopefully at some point to get to insurance reimbursement for children who have been diagnosed yeah, yeah. so that the cost of acquiring Moxie will become palatable for parents. The other domains, the other end of the age spectrum is the elderly, we talked about that. In between, you can imagine also using something like Moxie to teaching children, not only about social emotional learning, but also teaching them about STEM education, science, technology, math, yeah, yeah. Uh, you could teach children to learn a language, right? English as a 
the best way to learn language. I've, I've done this several times in my life, unfortunately, uh, but the best way to learn it is by practicing it, right? So when, you first, when I first started learning Danish, when I actually started learning is when I start talking to people, yeah. uh, which is sometimes embarrassing when you don't speak fluently, but that's the best way to learn immersively. So imagine if you have a Moxie companion that actually can teach you Chinese or can teach a Chinese English how to speak English by having conversations with you and then advancing the conversation every time. Uh, we have been also uh, contacted by some of the connected fitness companies that has become a big uh, deal now. And these things have big displays on them. The, the key thing for them is content, fresh content that motivates the the uh, person to, to want to do their workout sessions and all that, they would like to use technology like, like Social X, our technology platform, to create interactive avatars that can talk to you and can talk back to them and give you coaching. Yeah. So yeah. fitness training. Another area we are looking into and having some uh, exploratory conversations with people is personal coaching for everyone, like anyone 18 plus having a personal coach into your life, someone that you come home to and it will give you guidance and advice and techniques and coaching that allow you to overcome some certain things you may have. It may be emotional thing, it may be finance, it may be career-wise, it may be relationship and self uh, sort of growth and all that. So that's another area. There is also some conversations we are having with government in the US about helping uh, soldiers from PTSD. Yeah. Uh, so the sky is the limit. You can also see incarnations of our technology potentially finding their way into not a hard hardware like Moxie, but finding their way into a screen or uh, or a VR set headset, right? So there's that's the art dimension of it, right? So uh, three dimensions. One of them is the type of applications for type of uh, needs in the market. The other dimension is the medical depth to what we do. And we are constantly conducting more and more trials to show efficacy of these technologies. And then the third dimension is the type of media in which Moxie could appear, right? Whether it's on your cell phone or the, the current hardware for Moxie. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's exactly what you already said it, right? So difficulty is definitely going to be to, to choose, right? Like which to tackle, uh, to, to tackle. But I, I, but I guess where I see uh, the biggest definitely uh, uh, impact, and, and, and I mean, that's where you already started. Is so first, as, as obviously in, in, the, in, in the child uh, domain, but also with the elderly um, sector, right? Elderly and also special care. So, uh, um, uh, people with uh, which need special special care um, that obviously uh, and, and that's just because the context or, or, or the, the usage or the adaptability of, 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 of such a let's say a robot uh, or avatar is, is I think is happening very quickly you know like for children obviously but I think even for like for elderly people you know which are, um, you know, obviously like loneliness is a big factor, right? Um, and, and also in general, like just to, to have that, um, that, 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 that 24 seven um, kind of, you know, personal care uh, robot at your side, which is, is, obviously, is, is obviously amazing, uh, which technologically is able to, to make the right calls, right? And to make the right decisions, that's obviously gonna be a big, 
a, a, you know, a big challenge to, to tackle. Um, but still, I mean, it's, it's definitely very, 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 very interesting. Yeah, and by the way, anecdotally, it's interesting that although Moxie is completely geared towards children in the age range of five to 10, so all of the content and activities that it does with children is very child-focused. We do have uh, some people that have purchased Moxie for their elderly parents. Mm -hmm. And the elderly parents are enjoying it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so there's, there's, a, there's a need there that we would love to serve whenever we have the bandwidth to, to, uh, to, to work on that. Yeah, yeah, so, um, and, I, and, and another one, and, and, and that's, uh, that's uh, I think, also interesting to, 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 to go a little bit deeper into is, is obviously um, this is a bigger challenge than having robots in an industrial context. Right. And, and, and basically yeah, all the big, let's say robots, uh, robots, uh, applications that, that, that one sees, I mean, they're all really kind of, you know, not in a, uh, in a, in a direct interaction with people, you know, and, and, and especially in that context is as soon as you go into, let's say, um, uh, the health, you know, and the, into the, the health domain, obviously, it becomes a little bit more trickier, you know, to obviously pass all the rules and pass all the guidelines, right? And also, you know, the impact of, of the decisions that your, you know, that your system is making or your robot is making, right, it, uh, are obviously have a high, way higher impact, right? Um, because they're concerning, concerning uh, the, the individual straight up, right? Absolutely. And, and by the way, another dimension of the complexity comes from uh, human to human interaction is one of the most complex behaviors we know of in the universe. Yeah. Uh, driving a car on a lane, it's actually relatively simple. Mm -hmm. Not to undermine it. I mean, self-driving cars are dealing with a ma massive challenge, but, but human to, navigating a human's emotional journey yeah. is even harder. Yeah. It's even harder. I can tell you anecdotal stories from early days of uh, the technology development and product development. We have been doing a lot of testing with families before we launched the product. Uh, there, we have this deep neural network that generates conversation on the fly. It's really not scripted. It basically listens to you and then generates a response to it. And obviously we have been trying to optimize it to provide appropriate responses, avoid inappropriate responses because it also say things that are detrimental but also inadvertently, uh, Moxie could misunderstand what was said to it. And so we had one child that was very sensitive and was talking to Moxie about very sort of things that were important to the child. And Moxie misunderstood and said, well, I guess we are done talking now. And that child started crying. Yeah. Right? So that little misstep can be detrimental for a child. It's like you were supposed to be here to support me. And now you're telling me, you're dismissing me. That's what I get in my real life. And now you're acting the same way. So yeah, you can, there's not much room for error. Yeah. And also the other thing that I just thought about is, is that, you know, um, and, 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 and uh, people, uh, people that are in the childcare, um, let's say domain, you know, um, so kindergarten uh, people, they know this the best. And this is that, you know, children, say a lot of things and they also say a lot of random things you know and and that's another you know you know if if, if we say that uh human to human interaction 
on the adult level is one of the most complex things in the world. And I guess, you know, child, child children are another, another dimension in that regard, because, and, and especially if we're going into, let's say, saying, okay, you know, this is a system that, um, and, and let's say we're going to the direction that something is reimbursed by insurance, right? Because we are placing it into, you know, into, into the context of, uh, you know, solving the problem of, you know, uh, having detection of mental health too late, uh, mental illnesses too late. So really, let's say going into the prevent or supporting the, this whole aspect of prevention. I mean, imagine that, right? So like, how do you, how, like the complexity about that, I'm just thinking about is, is, is it's insane, right? Like, how do you get all this input and then judge and, and make the calls, right? And like, how do I judge each of these sentences, right? Yeah, and, and that's why we have regulatory oversight like FDA. Yeah. Uh, and this has to be done very carefully. Again, uh, at this point, Embodied is not making any such claims. We are doing coaching and teaching children about strategies about yeah. how to manage their emotions. We teach them mindfulness exercises and meditation and other things or talking about their feelings, knowing how to speak up about their feelings and all that. Uh, but as we get closer to, to that kind of clinical validation, that's why we have FDA type of organizations that can have an oversight and making sure that the company doesn't mislead or, or, or uh, create as a solution that can have negative impact on the society, right? Yeah. Uh, so, and we are being super, super careful and it's going to take time to get to that level, uh, but uh, step by step. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, also in, in, in regards to the future, I think obviously the platform strategy is, 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 the, is the way to go, right? And then if, if uh, let's say, you know, a, an approach would be to, to basically go and then, you know, going from the context or the, the, the industry or the application area, basically, to get a partner each time for that, you know, or to maybe even like open it up to third parties you know who who might develop let's say specifically for a you know for an industry or whatever that you know using for example your your platform that that i mean that that could be also a scenario right yeah i mean uh so we believe that for two reasons we are not considering opening it up to third parties right now one reason is especially for the application domain we are focused on right now children it's super important that the every bit of content and interaction is curated by us. Yeah. You not want a random development house to come and put random stuff on this thing. We yeah. take full responsibility for it. So that's one. The second thing is that we have to build a big enough installed base before we can attract the right type of developers to want to say we're going to invest and develop some really good content for yeah. this. So those are the two conditions, right? Once we get to a big enough install base and once we have maybe tools or processes in place where we can make sure every piece of content is curated and vetted with the proper uh, people, like we have child development experts and therapists on our staff that are curating every piece of content. Once we can manage that, then, then maybe we will be interested in opening it up to third parties because the benefit of letting third parties integrates content onto this is obviously we can create a lot more value for the end user because there'll be a lot more interesting activities and content on their on the robot 
Absolutely, yeah. So, um, you know, Valo, we're already kind of, uh, you know, coming coming to an end here. But I, I what I, what I want to ask you about is obviously, I guess, you know, Corona and COVID and everything, as you know, as as a crisis or as as in general global, let's say, dilemma uh, in that sense has has pushed or has has even let's say you know supported, um, you know, the 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 the, the usage. Of 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 products such as Moxie, you know, and and um, what I wanna what I wanna ask from you is how do you see like you know post COVID, do you think that really boosted boosted the development? Like, do are we gonna like see more in that regard? Because you said like you know it's an own category and like how do you kind of see the post COVID? Uh, no, I think 100% COVID uh, put the spotlight on mental health generally speaking. Uh, we know that uh, a lot of people, I think there was a survey done recently in the U.S. where uh, 80% of parents said their, their mental uh, well-being and happiness of their children has worsened due mm -hmm. to COVID. Mm -hmm. We have seen the elderly population suffer and all of us have suffered mentally. Yeah. Uh, the levels of anxiety uh, and mental health issues has increased. It was already very high, by the way, but it was completely underserved and ignored. Mm -hmm. uh, that was one of the insights we had when we decided that this is the area we want to focus on, is that we realized in, in 2016, when we started the company, that mental health is at epidemic proportions mm -hmm. in the U.S. and other civilized countries. Now, uh, COVID has made that clear to everyone. If you look at the VC investments just in the last quarter, it's the record high in terms of investment in mental well-being startups. Yeah. Yeah. I think people are just much more aware of this and are going to pay more attention and they're going to understand that there's a need for solutions in this area. And Embodied is one of the solution pro providers, but there'll be hundreds or thousands of solution providers uh, to help with this mental health issue. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's definitely interesting. and. Uh, and um, again, you know, I can only encourage for uh, for you guys, uh, for the listeners, you know, to to um, definitely check out your you guys' website and, and the video that you guys have online. Uh, it's it's really incredible. And 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 you know, what's the best way to to follow up with your guys' development? Yeah, I mean, uh, go to embodied.com or moxyrobot.com or search search Google and you will find it. Uh, if you want to interact with us, we have info at embodied.com is a website or paolo at embodied.com, my own personal email at a company. Feel free to ping us if you're interested in getting involved. Perfect. Hey, Paolo, it was amazing to, to have you in the show and thanks for the great conversation. It's my pleasure, Jonathan.